Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Greetings, everyone. We are thankful that you have joined us again as we continue our discussion on Article 1 of the Belgian Confession. If you want to know more about this great confession, you can go to our website at voiceofthechurch.org and you will find a link there. Last week we began a five-part series of the Belgian Confession. This series is on knowing who God is. As a reminder, the Belgian Confession is an important historical confession of the Church of Jesus Christ. Also, for those who may not know this, the chief author of the Belgian Confession was Guido de Bre, a preacher of the Reformed Churches in the Netherlands who died a martyr to the faith in 1567. As you might know, the churches from the Reformation subscribed not only to the three ecumenical creeds, which are the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed, but they also subscribed to many confessions, and one of these confessions is the Belgian Confession. It is a part of what we Reformers call the three forms of unity. They are the Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Article 1 of the Belgic Confession begins by saying, We all believe with the heart and confess with the mouth. It is the living members of the Church of Jesus Christ who make confession here. Last week we left off by talking about God being the only true God, a single being, and that he is a simple being. We also talked about how our culture today views God. As an example, we mentioned that people often see God only as a God of love. But that is a huge distortion, and it causes us to one-off the attributes of God. For example, if God is a God of love, how can so many bad things happen? They forget, among other important attributes, that God is also just, He is holy, He is righteous. We have the tendency to talk about the love of God above everything else because we ask ourselves which attribute is most important about God. And let's face it, we like to talk about the love of God more than anything else about Him. It feels good to talk about love, doesn't it? Rather, here the Church is repeating the words given to us by God Himself in His Word, which we call the Bible. In the Old Testament you find especially two names for God. The first, El, in his plural, Elohim, which says that God is strong. He is powerful. Elohim is Almighty God. He is the Creator who, by his almighty power, upholds and rules and governs all things. The other name, by far more frequently used as a name in the Old Testament, is the name Yahweh. That is the name by which the Lord revealed himself to Moses in the wilderness. Moses, you may remember, had asked the Lord, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Then God said to Moses, I am who I am. And the Lord said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The name I am is the name Yahweh. And you see the name Yahweh said to the children of the covenant, The Lord our God is unchangeable in his covenant faithfulness. Yes, he is unchangeable in his mercy towards us. He is unchangeable in his compassion for us. 
After all, he is the God of the covenant, who maintains steadfastness and truth forever. He will never forsake the work of his hands. See, that is why we still rejoice today in the name Yahweh. Because, you see, we find that name coming back to us again in the name of Jesus. The New Testament equivalent of the Old Testament name Joshua, meaning Yahweh saves. The God who through Moses had spoken to his people, promising them deliverance from the house of bondage, that God delivered us from the bondage of sin through Jesus Christ. And it is through him that we have learned another name for God also. We may call God our Father. How beautiful is that? Oh yes, you find that name a couple of times in the Old Testament already. For example, in Isaiah 63, verse 16, You are our Father, received an inexpressible depth of meaning for us in the New Testament. For there we learn to know God as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because you are sons, writes Paul, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. In that name there is revealed immeasurable treasures of love and grace and faithfulness, which are ours forever in Jesus Christ. It is at this point that Article 1 lists a number of divine perfections, which are usually spoken of as God's attributes. Just a few words on each. God is eternal. Moses says it this way in Psalm 90, Before the mountains were brought forth from everlasting, you are God. Your years have no end, confesses the psalmist, who wrote Psalm 102. And the Lord tells the apostle John, who was in exile on the island of Patmos, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. God is incomprehensible. That simply means that we cannot somehow grasp or contain God with our minds. For your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord in Isaiah 55, verse 8. And then we have the doxology that we read in Romans 11. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, and how inscrutable his ways, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Oh yes, we know God. We know him in his love. We know him in his holiness. We know him in all his attributes, insofar as he has revealed himself in his holy and divine word in Christ Jesus. No one, says Jesus, no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. But we cannot possibly comprehend God. God is invisible. God dwells in unapproachable light, says Paul. But it is also true that the pure in heart are blessed, for they shall see God. Such, you understand, is the promised blessedness which Jesus gives to those who are the children of God by grace through faith. They may see God, that is, God lets his children know him in his covenant relationship with him. He shows them, that is, he makes known to them his covenant. Jesus said it in this way, whoever has seen me has seen the Father, in John 14, verse 9. Nevertheless, God is invisible. That is, we cannot see God the way we can see each other. 
God is immutable. That is, he is unchangeable. James confesses every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. James is not saying that God is cold like a piece of granite. Rather, God's unchangeableness means that God is faithful to his word. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, says Paul in Romans 11. Two more attributes we can mention are God is infinite and almighty. In other words, there is nothing in all the earth that is able to set a limit to God. He is the Lord of lords, the King of kings. And then Article 1 of the Belgian Confession continues, God is also perfectly wise, just, and good. Read, for example, chapters 38 to 41 of the book of Job, or read chapter 8 of the book of Proverbs. See, the wisdom of God is known in the great work of his creation of all things and in the recreation of all things, wherein all his divine perfections find their most beautiful expression. God shows his justice, his righteousness, especially in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Paul explains that in Romans 3, the righteousness of God, he says, has been manifested apart from the law, that is, apart from our works. It is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And so we understand that the goodness of God, his steadfast love, endures forever, as Psalm 136 abundantly attests. And then, in the end, we confess also that God is the overflowing fountain of all good. Such is the concluding doxology with which the Church, as Christians, conclude our confession here. So you see, we believe with the heart and confess with the mouth the only God. Let God be praised with reverence deep. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord, for he is good. Praise the Lord, O my soul. This concludes our look at the first article of the Belgian Confession. We thank you for listening. And again, please visit us at www.voiceofthechurch.org. Next week, we will begin to look at the second article of the Belgian Confession. May the Lord, our God, richly bless you today and every day for his glory. <music>